0: Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find Sports Grids Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening.
1: And Listen to me. This is the Fantasy Football Best Friends Forever show. Start listening to us or suffer the consequences.
0: Your BFFs! Your host, 5'8", from Maryland, Greg Zussman! And your co-host, 5-9 from St. Francis, Frank Stanfall! Ladies and gentlemen, your BFFs! It... Are you inside of Studio 34. This is the FFs. He is Frank Stanfall. I am Greg Sauzman. Greg hey, What's happening, bud? Greg hey, Happy Monday to you. We're back, and we've got.
1: Baseball to talk about later on in the show. That's right. Because we got to get to some XFL. How was your weekend? How would you sleep uh, last night, buddy? I,
0: I didn't sleep great, Frank. Uh, my wor- <laughs> my weekend felt like a lot of work, to be honest with you. Yeah, I was here on a Sunday, Greg. I didn't see, I didn't see any Greg Sussman around on a Sunday. Frank, don't worry. I was on the phone uh, with your producers oh, okay. on Sunday and on Saturday. And here we are today, Frank. So, uh, feeling great. Feeling great. Feeling great. How did, how did you sleep, Frank?
1: I slept very well. probably stayed up too late, like I always do. But- sure. But... I slept very well. Yeah. Had, a, had a solid weekend. Did you watch the Oscars? I watched a little bit of the Oscars. True story. I only turned the Oscars on because I saw that Eminem was performing. Huh. By the time I turned the Oscars on, he was already done performing. Sure. And then I just left it on in the background and heard Parasite pretty much win everything.
0: Yes. Well, spoiler alert for those that didn't watch the Oscars.
1: <laughs> well, you should have watched it by now. Or if you haven't, you probably heard.
0: For an update on everything that's not the Oscars, here's Alex Pasana. Sports Grid. News Update.
2: I am Alex Fasano with your Sports Grid News Update here on the Fantasy BFFs. It's finally official in Major League Baseball. Mookie Betts and David Price are finally headed to Los Angeles. Sources told ESPN's Jeff Passan that a deal had been agreed upon to send the players to the LA Dodgers for a package that includes Alex Verdugo, shortstop Cheater Downs, and catcher Connor Wong all of which will go to Boston. A Blockbuster three-team deal was agreed upon almost a week ago. Uh, However, the Red Sox were nervous about uh, Gratterall, Brustal Gratterall, a prospect from the Twins uh, who had Tommy John surgery, missed time in 2019. The reworked deal still has bets and price going to Los Angeles, and the Red Sox have agreed to pay half of the $96 million left on Price's deal. In also Major League Baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers are sending right-hander Kenta Maeda and Cash to the Minnesota Twins for right-hander Bruce Dahl-Gratterall, outfield prospect Luke Rayleigh, and the 67th pick in the 2020 draft. A different version of the deal was originally reported to be as part of a three-team deal with the Red Sox and Mookie Betts. However, the Red Sox again had issues with the prospect's medical reviews. The Athletic was the first to report this new Twins-Dodgers deal. And in the NFL, Phillip Rivers will officially enter free agent. This offseason he ends his 16 year run with the Los Angeles Chargers the Chargers and Rivers jointly announced the veteran quarterbacks decision on Monday with general manager Tom Telesco saying that the timing of the announcement will allow everybody to put themselves in the best position for success in 2020 Philip Rivers turns 38 this year he is the most prolific passer in uh, the Chargers history. He finished the 2019 season with 4,615 yards, 23 touchdowns, and 20 interceptions. The Chargers finished 5 and 11 and last place in the AFC West. All right, that does it for me. Gonna send it back to the BFFs. This was your Sports Grid news update. I'm Alex Fasano.
0: There you go. That's Fasano's news update. Fantastic job breaking down the trades. We're gonna do that in a little bit. Break down both of the trades that actually happened this weekend, including Mookie Betts, uh, including Manny Margot. Finally, no longer a Padre, but go to a situation that somehow is worse than the Padres. Uh, it's remarkable. We're going to do that. We're going to have some fun a little bit later on. But we're going to start with the XFL. Because this is the XFL. Frankie, did you watch? I, I saw you tweeting how upset you were that you couldn't play I was sad. DFS. I was
1: sad that I could not play XFL DFS. I uh, had to get my football fix in over the weekend. Uh, I caught some action here and there. I was out at brunch on a double date, and I huh. did have my phone playing XFL on YouTube TV. That
0: must like enrage your fiance. No, no, no. no.
1: I mean, it's two couples. It's the girls were talking.
0: The sure. guys were talking. Well, and you weren't talking. You know, you were and I had it on there, in the background. You were just no, no, watching no, no, no. the XFL. Like, no. it got to the point. It was on like, your phone, looking at the XFL. <laughs> this is what we're doing. Like, we have to stream the XFL on our phones now? You did not even have money on the game.
1: Let me know when it's my turn to talk, Greg, because I'm pretty sure it was my turn to talk. And you rudely interrupted me. I didn't,
0: I didn't, know we, I didn't know me. We
1: take turns on the show. It's, it's all conversation. <laughs> Look, here's what I'll say. It wasn't like Ronald Acuna's debut <laughs> when I was with you at Yankee Stadium, also watching Ronald Acuna uh, on my phone at the same time. I had it on in the background. I just wanted to see if any big plays were happening, if anything crazy was going on. So I caught some XFL action this weekend. Probably shouldn't have watched as much as I could have, but I did see some highlights as well. Uh, and I thought it was interesting. We have football all year round. Let's go Guardians, New York's football team. The best football team in New York, Greg. It's not hard, Frank.
0: It's it's not hard. The best team
1: that plays in MetLife. There you
0: go. The Guardians defeated the Vipers 23-3 for a little bit. My man, Aaron Murray on the Vipers got benched. Uh, Matt McGloin, 15-29, 182, threw for a touchdown, which was uh, wonderful.
1: Greg, you owe Matt McGloin and Kevin Gilbride an apology based on what you said. on. I don't like either of them, Frank.
0: (laughs) Uh, they, got the job they put it the right eye. in your eye, though. I'll say this: my doorman when I left this morning, he's like, "Hey, did you watch the Guardians?" I'm like Frank, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we
1: doing? Uh, and just to clarify, your doorman's name is Frank, because I'm not Greg's doorman. Oh, right, right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Frank, the doorman, not Frank Stample. But Frank, the doorman, was like, "Oh, I'm pretty excited. They were pretty good. I think I'm going to watch them this season." People are actually into the XFL. 3.3 yeah. 3 million people watch the XFL this weekend.
1: Look, there is a desire for football year-round, and the XFL are doing things a little bit differently. They're interviewing kickers as soon as they miss kicks. They're interviewing you, quarterbacks. Not Adam got as, benched, though. Yeah. They didn't interview a bench. I'm pretty sure they interviewed a quarterback as soon as he threw an interception. <laughs> like, what do you say in that moment? Sure. So they're doing some interesting things, uh, obviously. And, yes, the Guardians won 23-3. to Matt McGloin did enough. He also had a rushing touchdown, Greg. Come on, man. Let's go Guardians. I can't believe you were talking smack about Matt McGloin on on Friday. And you were backing Aaron Murray. I was. How did that work out? 16 for 34 with two interceptions against that elite Guardians defense.
0: He uh, he didn't look good, I'll be honest with you. He looked very, very bad. You know who also looked bad? I was excited to get into this with you. With the Renegades and the Battlehawks. The St. Louis Battlehawks defeated the Renegades 15-9. I really liked Dallas in this one. But... These running backs that you were so high on because you knew their names, Cameron Artis Payne, the cap, and Kristen Michael, why don't you read their stats, Frank? I don't
1: know what you're talking about, Greg. (laughs) I can't find them all of a sudden. This is crazy.
0: Oh, (laughs) I'll be happy to read them. I have them up here. Kristen Michael carried the ball seven times to the Battle Hawks uh, with a Kristen Michael-like zero yards. Whoa, 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 Greg. Can you talk about the rushing
1: leader of the St. Louis Battle Hawks who was also a former NFL player while we're at it? No. Matt Jones had 21 attempts for 85 rushing yards. That's a pretty good game. Christy Michael, not so much. Mm. But Cameron Artis Payne did not do much on the ground either. Two rushes for six yards. He did have four receptions for 13 yards. So if you played on DraftKings, the PPR format, that helped you out. But, uh, yeah, that's the one big takeaway, I think, from this weekend, Greg. And I heard uh, Gabe talking about this on Twitter over the weekend. The offensive line play was not great. And it's not surprising because the offensive line play is... Not great in the NFL either. Like, it's hard to find quality offensive line play, and it takes time for these guys to play together before, you know, maybe they'll start to gel a little bit. But the biggest takeaway for me was that there was not a lot of great rushing performances yeah, by
0: any running backs this weekend. Matt Jones is the only one. Yeah, Matt you, Jones performed very well. 21, 21 rushes. carries for, yeah. for Matt Jones. If you look at, like, the Renegades, they had, their leading rusher had five carries. It was Lance Dunbar. So...
1: Former NFL player as well, but again, didn't do much with it.
0: No, there's just not that much rushing. You go to the Wildcats who fell to the Houston Roughnecks 37 to 17. Leading rusher was Elijah Hood, 12 carries for 43 yards, right? Like that? They're not really rushing the ball. I think teams obviously uh, still trying to figure it out, but your guy, PJ Walker, who were touchdowns yesterday?
1: PJ Walker, man, he was awesome and he rushed a little bit as well. He added 26 rushing yards. Uh, this was the guy that I did have in my uh, fake. DFS lineup, which I tried to submit and then found out that you can't play New York DFS uh, XFL DFS in New York. Still got to kind of clarify that because I don't know what's going on there, Greg. But apparently you can in New Jersey, so I think I'm going to have to do that this upcoming week. But P.J. Walker was great. Four touchdowns uh, as well. Sammy Coates. Alex Fasano downstairs. Big Steelers fan. You were reminded of why Sammy Coates is no longer a Pittsburgh Steeler. Nine targets. Just two receptions. Dropping the ball everywhere as well. Uh, did not get much done this weekend, uh, but PJ Walker was someone who certainly did. Nelson Spruce was great for the Wildcats. 11 for 103, Frank. On 15 targets. Impressive. What? There's um. your PPR beast. Eli Rogers, too. Eli Rogers had, like, yeah. six or seven catches. The
0: defenders defeated the Dragons. Not much rushing there, either. Ricky Pearl's kid, five for 88 and two touchdowns. Cardell Jones looked pretty video. good. That's no. all that. Cardell
1: Jones goes for 235-2, and two, and as we mentioned before, uh, Eli Rogers goes six for 73. So, that's someone you want to target in DFS this upcoming weekend.
0: That was the XFL. Foul. When we come back, Mookie Betts traded. Jock Peterson, not. We'll tell you what happened over the weekend.
2: We are
0: live here in Studio 34. This is the BFFs. He's Frank. I'm Greg. Thanks for hanging out. Coast to coast. Coming up next, Scott Farrell and the gang. will have you covered uh, by Gabe Maranci. In-game live all night long. on NBA All-Star break coming this weekend. We'll make some NBA All-Star-like picks um, later in the week. is that cool? I'm down. Reminded yeah. me, you still owe me a, a player show. I guess I had to pick a player in the NFL. I just haven't picked a player yet, right? Yeah,
1: that's fair. Uh, I, I mean, I'll just... Tell EY he has to pay for it. Because he has a lot more money than I do. Does. So, does. that seems fair. I, I don't disagree. Yeah. You'll get your shirt. Somehow, some way. That's all I want. From Eric Young. You do your thing, man. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. But yeah. I'll probably D- just... Did you win any fantasy football leagues this year, Greg? I'm going to guess so. no. <laughs> Did you come close? Yeah, I came in second. Alright, so who, who was like the best player on that team? Or like a few of your favorite players from that team?
0: Uh, the best player on that team was uh, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, I mean, those are cool player shirts to have. Yeah, you want a really
1: Nick interested. Chubb shirt? No, no. You don't, you don't like the nice brown and orange all over your body, Greg.
0: I'm trying to see who the best player on that team was. Do that uh, during the break. <laughs> I mean, you brought it up now, Frank. So uh, Tyreek Hill, but i not like, uh, I don't yeah, you, you probably don't want a
1: Tyreek Hill shirt on your back, Greg. I don't, Frank. I don't. I want to get, like, an
0: uncool shirt, like Jack Doyle. <laughs> don't Please don't do that. <laughs> All right, let's get back into baseball, Frank, because the long-awaited Mookie Betts trade was finally completed over the weekend with some alterations. Basically, it seems like... Well, it seems like it. What happened was the prospect that was going from Minnesota to Boston, his medicals didn't kind of add up. And the Red Sox... Exactly. The Red right. Sox thought of him as a reliever when... He was valued as a starter because of the medicals. It was all BS. Basically, the Red Sox had all this backlash. They didn't get enough for Mookie Betts and demanded more. exactly it. And because the Dodgers um, didn't want to lose out on Mookie Betts and have a very plentiful system, like, you know what? F you guys. We'll give you Jeter Downs. We'll make this happen if that makes you feel better. And now it's done. Mookie Betts and David Price are both members of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Jeter Downs. And Alex Verdugo are now members of the Boston Red Sox. And Kenta Maeda is now a member of the Minnesota Twins. Those are the primary pieces of where everybody has gone. What I'm still trying to understand is why the Dodgers decided they need they did not need to trade Jock Peterson anymore. I don't know if it was the Angels that said, screw this, we're walking away. Um, but that trade wound up not happening. So, a lot to kind of uncover here, Frank. We now know it's official. Let me start from the Red Sox side of things. I know we did a whole um, segment previously on Alex Verdugo. Um, we didn't really talk about Jeter Downs because he wasn't in the trade. Mm-hmm. People have kind of speculated that Jeter Downs at some point in the near future could replace be the, the replacement for Dustin Pedroia at second base. Obviously, Michael Chavis uh, played there last year. But what do you think of the Jeter Downs addition for the Boston Red Sox? I thought it was
1: great that they were able to add another prospect. I agree with you completely. It's like someone in a fantasy baseball league getting fleeced for a trade, and then when they hear the backlash from everyone else, they're like, oh, can you please veto my trade so that I can try and get more out of someone else? That's basically what happened here. The Red Sox got absolutely fleeced, and even with adding Jeter Downs, I still don't agree that they should have traded Mookie Betts, but it does look better on paper now that they get a prospect with the pedigree of Jeter Downs. Much better. What was really interesting is that I, don't know. I think Verdugo is going to be a stud. I really do believe
0: that. So I don't know what the agenda is here. I always try to figure it out. But multiple times this weekend, John Heyman tweeted out Alex Verdugo has like Clint Frazier like problems. I don't know if that means he's just a crappy fielder or some personality issues there. I
1: think it's personality stuff because yeah. I've heard I've heard things like that before as well about Verdugo. Yeah, I so d-
0: I had not heard that. You more. know, maybe under the leadership of
1: like a J.D. Martinez, right? I always like young players being surrounded by you know veterans right. who have been around a while. Uh, the same thing that happened last year with Miguel Sano with Nelson Cruz coming in, I thought that that would have a positive impact on right. him. I'm not sure if that's the direct correlation that made Miguel Sano be awesome last year, but I do like when these older players are on teams and they can take. Youngsters under their wing, so we'll see what happens when it comes to uh, Alex Verdugo. I think he's going to play every day. I think he's either going to lead off or bet fifth for the Boston Red Sox. And I tweeted oh, this out. Check what
0: roster resources. I
1: I, t- I tweeted this out on Friday, Greg. Uh, the pre-trade NFBC cost for Alex Verdugo was two twenty-seven. Okay, and since the trade happened, so from Wednesday on, his ADP was one eighty-eight. And if you remember what I told you, spots. I said, you said he was going to move up about 50 spots. Yes, and he might did. move up even more than that. I think Verdugo has Michael Brantley-type upside. Maybe not like his first full season, but eventually I think that that's what his upside uh, can be.
0: Verdugo is still 23 years old, and according to Roster Resource right now for the Boston Red Sox, Verdugo is projected to bat 7th in this lineup. So who do they have leading off? Ben Followed by Devers, Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Mitch Moreland, Michael Chavis, Verdugo, Christian Vasquez, J.B.J. All
1: right, so they might put they might leave Verdugo a little bit lower in the lineup to start. They don't want to put too much pressure on him, but he's he's going to make his way up there. Like I think he's better than Mitch Moreland.
0: Now, Jeter Downs, I know I cut you off, yeah, but he was a good uh, prospect who could get you. Said why is that? He's like a top
1: 50 prospect in baseball, one of the better prospects in the Dodgers organization. Uh, you look at what he just did this past year, a power-speed combination, 21 years old at uh, between double-A and high-A ball this past year, 24 home runs, 24 stolen bases. He hit two seventy-six with an eight eighty-eight OPS, so uh, there's upside there. It's just very weird that there's a person named Jeter in the Boston Red Sox organization now. But you're right. I think his long-term future is he probably takes over at second base, Greg. They still have Bogarts locked up at shortstop. uh, And then they'll eventually probably move Michael Chavis back to his original position, which is first base. I think Mitch Moreland is just kind of a placeholder for maybe this year. I don't think we're going to see Jeter Downs this year, but maybe like a September-ish call-up. If not, then the following year he'll probably be like a midseason call-up. I think that's fair to say.
0: So then let me kind of follow that up with the player that played second base last year for the Red Sox was Michael Chavis. I just told you he's batting sixth in this lineup. What do you think of Michael Chavis this season? Uh,
1: I'm interested, obviously, batting in the middle of a really good ballpark, uh, a ballpark that plays for right-handed power, and that's exactly what Chavis has. And, you know, he was their top prospect for a while. It wasn't really a great farm system, system, obviously. But I think he... Proved something last year, Greg. I mean, the power is legit. You watch the bat speed, like the kid has bat speed. I think his power is gonna play, especially in Fenway. The problem is he's gotta cut down the strikeouts. I mean thirty
0: three percent. The plate
1: discipline rate. was just dreadful from Michael Chavis last year. And he struggled a little bit in the minors with strikeout with strikeouts. You know, he's normally in like that mid twenty percentage. So even if he was, you know, around thirty percent, you can live with that. Like Fernando Tatis Jr. is thirty percent. Ideally, you want it to be better, but 33 is a lot, Greg. So, Michael Chavis has to be better uh, in terms of plate discipline and cutting down on those strikeouts. But I I liked what I saw last year. 18 home runs in 95 games. A full season with Boston. I think he should be able to hit, you know, 25, 27-ish home runs from the middle
0: infield. There's value there. Hard hit percentage last year for Michael Chavis, 33.6%. Fine. No, it's not great. No, you know, meh. Strikeout percentage... Ground ball percentage at 45%. I'm out of Michael Javis. You're out. I'm out of Michael Javis.
1: That's it. But the thing is, he's young enough where, like, yeah, he just can. He's 23 years old right now. Yeah. Like,
0: he can. 24.
1: He can easily, you know, improve his launch angle, cut down the strikeouts. And then before you know it, he's like a 270 hitter who's hitting 25 home runs. We'll see. I'm, I'm going to. You but, can pump the brakes, but the thing
0: is, he's I'm not. Pump breaks, yeah. He's,
1: like, not going early in drafts right now.
0: Who are the NFBC in the month of February? 236? That's nothing. I'm no. I'm pretty much out on him, though. He's like, give me Cole Hamels two spots before him.
1: I agree with you. Yeah, you know I love Cole Hamels, Greg. Seriously. Give me Mitch Keller going just ahead of him as well. But look mean. at some of the hitters in this range, Greg. Like Eric Hosmer, meh, fine. 270, 20 home runs. It is what it is. Gio Urshela, you don't really know how the playing time's going to shake out there with the Yankees. At least with Chavis, you, you know he's going to play every day. Yep. Someone who's going a little bit later on, though, that I do love, Austin Hayes this year. Baltimore Orioles.
0: Exactly. You, you like Austin Hayes last year, too. Oh, I love Austin Hayes every year, Greg. All right, fair enough. Let me go to the Dodger. <laughs> let me go to the Dodgers side of things. Obviously, you know Mookie Betts. He has really solidified being in the top five. I think he's a. I personally find him to be like the clear fourth hitter off the board uh, I, with Cody Bellinger. His teammate being five. I, I think your first five doesn't include Garrett Cole or um, Jacob Degrom. I, I think that's kind of six, seven for me. But your top five, I think, is set. Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, both in it.
1: Yeah, I mean... That's it, me personally. In I the deeper leagues, I, I would make the argument for getting the, the, the ace starting pitcher, just giving yourself that base of...
0: Pitcher list does not agree.
1: The pitcher Pock. list does not agree, but, you know, look, uh, they kind of c- cater more to uh, 12-team... Which is what I, which head is I'm playing. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. In that format, look, I would say that the hitter... What you're going to get from the hitter is safer than what you can expect from any pitcher.
0: Well, asking for a friend here, Frank. Uh, If all five of those guys are gone (laughs) and the next hitter happens to be Alex Bregman or Francisco Lindor, would you take one of the pitchers?
1: No. Uh, Yes, I would definitely take the pitcher.
0: Thank you. Gary Cole? Is that that the pitcher? I like
1: Jacob DeGrom. I have Jacob DeGrom as my SP1. Did you
0: switch? No. I said that all along. I think I switched. I think you did. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Greg can't get away from the pinstripes. Fair enough. Uh, We'll see what happens. I was originally on Garrett Cole. I think I'll come more in Jacob deGrom. But we'll see. I'll I'll see Uh, how things go. Yeah, look, Betts is going to go
1: inside the top five picks in most drafts. And I think it makes sense. Still a five-category player. You worry maybe a little bit about the 16 stolen bases last year. I think that's his floor. I think he probably gives you between 15 and 20 stolen bases. And he's going to contribute everywhere else. His expected batting average last year was actually like 15, 20 points higher than his actual batting average. So I think there's actually some positive regression coming from Mookie Betts as well.
0: well let me ask you this one, also involving this trade. Currently going at 183 in the NFBC in the month of February is David Price. Going at 182, that's Kenta Maeda. We referred to this, uh, last, we referred to this um, last week on the show that they were going very, very close together. But I'll ask you again, now that the trade's official, Frank, who would you rather have in fantasy baseball this year? Kenta Maeda or David Price?
1: Yeah, I think they're both risky. Uh, I think at some point, like, Kenta Maeda is probably going to be slowed down. I don't know that you could defend uh, depend on him for more than 150, 160 innings this year, even with the Minnesota Twins. That's just not the pitcher that Kenta Maeda has been. Same thing with David Price. You know he's almost certainly going to miss some time throughout the course of the season. But I will take David Price. I think that both teams are going to get tremendous run support, uh, but... There's just something about the Dodgers, right? It's like every starting pitcher that winds up with the Dodgers, it's a lot like the Houston Astros. These guys are just phenomenal. And if you look at David Price from last year, the strikeouts actually bounced back in a big way. A 28% strikeout rate for David Price last year was the highest of his career. So he actually was pitching well. I think he had he was unlucky last year as well. 4 2 8 ERA Greg. You see the x flip down at 373. I think the whip was a little bit unlucky as well. The strikeouts the highest of his career. I think these guys are close, but give me David Price over Kent Maeda.
0: I think both guys are players that I'd want on my teams. Kent Maeda uh, pitch me full season as a starting pitcher. If he holds up, I think he's in a good spot. I think perform well. David Price, first time pitching in the National League. Be to his well, on both of these guys at He gets value. to face the Giants like five times a year, Greg. It's awesome. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. There's a whole other training we gotta get into. Just look around, a whole lot more coming your way. So we mentioned a lot about the Red Sox-Dodgers-Twins trade here, Frank. Before we move on, any idea from your perspective why the Dodgers didn't consummate the trade with the Angels? I think it was related from to the Angels. Okay. Like, the just
1: Angels kind of backing out of it and that it was taking too long. I, I don't know exactly the details. That's what I saw on Twitter a little bit, people talking about. But it kind of... It seems weird to me that the Angels wouldn't still go through with it because, yes, while they have more rotation arms now, it seems like they can never have enough depth because Andrew Heaney's always hurt. Shohei Otani, you don't really know what you're going to get out of him. So I think they should have went through with it. And you get an outfielder like Jock Peterson, who already knows the area, he plays with the Dodgers, and probably could have hit you 30 home runs playing every day in, in right field there. I think that made a lot of sense for the Angels. And then, you know, getting a pitcher like Ross Stripling, I think... Look, we've seen upside out of Ross Stripling. He was an all-star in 2018. Like He had a stretch where he was phenomenal as a starting pitcher and really good curveball as well. The strikeout numbers are solid, but it has this really good command. doesn't walk all that many guys. So I thought that getting Ross Stripling for the Angels would have been uh, great for their rotation, and it would have been great for fantasy, right? Because we would have unleashed Kenta Maeda. We would have unleashed Ross Stripling at the same time. Now we still kind of have these question marks. We have like five, six players for the Dodgers, Greg to fill two rotation spots with Julio Urias and with J- uh, Jimmy Nelson, Dustin May. Alex Wood. Alex Wood. Ross Stripling. So you still have five guys to fill two
0: rotation spots. And Absolutely. it's frustrating from a fantasy perspective. Now, that glut reminds me of what we also know in Tampa Bay, where the Tampa Bay Rays have done a lot this offseason, but it feels like none of it's made it our jobs any clearer by any means. Over the weekend, the Rays wound up trading away Emilio Pagan, their closer this past season, for Manny Margot. I know there's other pieces that are involved in that, but Margot and Pagan are the two big pieces traded away, right? Yes. Okay, so those are the two major pieces. It's Pagan that goes over to San Diego, that he's going to help their bullpen in front of Kirby Yates. Maybe he replace Kirby Yates, who's a free agent to be if he gets traded away. And you have Manuel Margot that's going to go play the outfield for Tampa Bay, much like his old teammate, Hunter Renfro being traded away from San Diego to Tampa. Tampa's got a lot of players in the mix, including Renfro, in including um, Kevin Kiermeyer, for instance.
1: Kevin Kiermeyer, Yoshi Tsutsugo. you right. have Nate Lowe, you have Jose Martinez, you have basically six or seven guys, Greg, that are trying to fill, you know, right field DH and first base. And again, this reminds me of the Dodgers where it's frustrating from a fantasy perspective, but it's a great problem to have if you're the Tampa Bay Rays. You're just gonna continue to play the matchups, right? So Austin Meadows is gonna play every single day. In left field, and then you're going to have a combination of Kevin Kiermeyer and Manny Margot in center field. You know, maybe just a straight up platoon with uh, Kiermeyer playing against right handed pitching and Margot playing against left handed pitching. And then again, in right field, you have if Margot is not playing that day, you could put him in right field, or you can get one of Jose Martinez out there or. Uh, a Hunter Renfro or a Yoshi Tsutsugo, and then whoever isn't playing there, you can use as your DH and your first base, and all the while, we have Nate Lowe, who you know has all this prospect pedigree, and he's been mashing in the minor leagues, doesn't have a spot to play, doesn't have an opportunity here with the Tampa Bay Rays, so uh, it's definitely a frustrating situation from a fantasy perspective, Greg, uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays offense, uh, and we
0: haven't even gotten to their bullpen yet, so...
1: Take it away, Greg.
0: (laughs) I I can't, man. It's a complete mess. It's a complete and utter mess. And you look at the bullpen, and I'll try to figure it out. um, Who will be the closer when it's all said and done? I don't know. know, The problem with the Rays is the closer on day one could be the starter on day two. I mean that quite literally. Yeah. And the same goes for the outfield. The entire starting outfield can be replaced on day from day one to day two. That's how many pieces they have here. And Margot, is he going to be a starter? Like, do you trade away your closer for someone that's going to be a fourth or fifth outfielder for you? I wouldn't think so. No, this is a player so It's
1: like making money. No, it's a, it's a buy-low opportunity for sure. the Tampa Bay Rays. They're looking at a player that you know was once regarded as one of the, the top outfield prospects in baseball, and he went over to the San Diego Padres in a trade from the Red Sox years ago. He hasn't panned out with the San Diego Padres, and now the Tampa Bay Rays are buying low on him and, and potentially selling high, I guess, on Pagan. I, I don't know why they wouldn't like Pagan, because, as you mentioned, Greg, I mean, he was damn good last year. O- over 12 strikeouts per nine under two walks per nine, 2.31 ERA, a 3.15 X-tip, a 0.83 whip. Emilio Pagan was great last year, so I don't really know why the Rays would want to give up on him. Maybe there's something they know that we don't, but he led this team last year with 20 saves, Uh, and then, of course, we had Diego Castillo in the mix, who had a few saves, uh, and we also had Jose Alvarado. So it was Diego Castillo with eight, and it was Jose Alvarado with seven saves, and Alvarado took a huge step back the year before. Sure. He had over thirty saves, Greg, and we know that he has filthy stuff. Yep. His his swing and miss stuff is is phenomenal, but his walks per nine were up over eight. We're talking about Robbie Ray territory out here, Greg, with those types of walks. Uh, I think Diego Castillo is really good, but oftentimes they use him as an opener, so you don't know what you're going to expect there from Castillo. I think Nick Anderson is going to get the first shot, and even if they kind of play matchups, I think you can expect him to get two-thirds of the save opportunities this upcoming season. Something similar to what we saw from B- Pagan last year when he had 20 saves and these other two guys had seven each. Um, I think Nick Anderson is legit, Greg. He had a 41% strikeout rate last year. That was second among relievers behind only Josh Hader. So he's really damn good. The strikeouts are legit when it comes to Nick Anderson. I, get, I think he gets the first opportunity, but I also think Diego Castillo and Jose Alvarado are going to be
0: in that mix depending on matchups. Fair enough. I I think it's a like I said a mess there, and we can speculate as much as we want. It's just not going to be clear. But you're going to want the closer ideally because the Rays like they're a good team. They're good exactly. Craig set the over under for Nick Anderson's
1: saves this year for 11 and a half on FST. That's, That's a good that, number. That seems low to me. If he's the closer. If he's, uh, that's you know, the thing. No Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Have no well, Pagan idea. had 20 last year, and I think Nick Anderson can step into that role.
0: Emilio Pagan could wind up getting some saves this year, as I mentioned, if Kirby Yates gets traded. But Manuel Margot traded away from the outfield. How does that outfield in San Diego now shape up?
1: Yeah, so we're looking at Franchi Cordero on the strong side of a platoon. He struggled big time against left-handed pitching in his Major League career, but it looks like Franchi Cordero is going to be the uh, strong side of a platoon in center field, playing against right-handed pitching regularly. And they're obviously, you know, they traded for Trent Grisham as well, and it seems like they like him a lot because they gave up Luis Urias uh, to get Grisham, and Urias was once regarded as one of the top prospects in baseball. Uh, And, of course, they traded for Tommy Pham with? Tampa Bay Rays earlier in the offseason. So their outfield team set. You have Pham in left field. You have Grisham in right field. I think Cordero plays against right-handed pitching in center field. And then uh, against lefties, they'll get Will Myers in center field. And perhaps Will Myers fills in a little bit uh, against left-handed pitching to give Trent Grisham a day off because he is a left-handed batter as well. But I'm kind of intrigued in Franchi Cordero, Greg. Remember a couple years ago, Matt Modica was all over Francie Cordero, uh, and he's someone that does have a little bit of a power-speed combination. Back in 2017 in the minor leagues, he had 3.26 with 17 home runs and 15 stolen bases. The year before that, 11 home runs and 23 steals for Francie Cordero. Uh, he's still just 25 years old, and in fact, I just took him in an NFBC draft champions league that I'm in right now, Greg. I took him in the 26th round as my sixth outfielder. So at that point, a little bit of a power-speed combination, I think he plays uh, most of the time in center field. If he struggles, we could see Taylor Trammell, the prospect that the Padres traded for last year, get an opportunity later on in the season.
0: Yeah, he was the former top prospect for the Cincinnati Reds, I believe. And yep, I remember, that's correct. I remember when he was traded, we were all like, what? What are you doing? And he's going to have a spot. I was reading an article you tweeted out um, from MLB.com in regards to San Diego Padres. But Listen, Trammell obviously... Um, is closer to an opportunity than he was, but he hasn't really he hasn't played AAA yet. So we have a lot of time before we're going to see. He still seems raw, too. Lots of strikeouts exactly. for Taylor Trammell. Exactly. So we got some time. I think this opens up a lot, a lot of opportunity for Will Myers, who they haven't been able to get rid of. So Will Myers is still going to get a chance to play here. Myers and um, Cordero, clearly the biggest beneficiaries here. You like Trent Grisham. Where is Grisham going? Grisham
1: is going in the month of February 434. So he's basically free as well. In the draft that I'm doing right now, he went in the 19th round. So he Trent, Trent Grisham goes in the 19th round, and I got Franchi Cordero seven rounds later in a 15-team draft. Seems good. And Trent Grisham broke out last year in the minor leagues. But the thing with him was how much of that is legit because that was far and away the best minor league season he ever had uh, again, last year with the Milwaukee Brewers between AA and AAA, he hit 26 home runs with 12 stolen bases and a three hundred batting average, with an OPS over 1,000. So uh, Grisham has some upside here, Greg, but that was really the first season that he broke out like that. I, I believe he did something different to his swing, like he changed his swing up mechanically, and uh, that's why he was able to uh, kind of make this adjustment and make this jump in the minors. Uh, and then... The Padres go out and trade for him, Greg.
0: Yeah, fair enough. All right. When we come back, Frank, let's get in to the ADP desk. First ADP desk of the season. I want to pick a number. Frank is then going to talk about said player at the number. Does he like him? Does he hate him? Does he want nothing to do with him? Or is he all in? He's going to answer all of those questions when we come back. Stick around. The ADP desk is next here on the BFS. We're back here, BFFs. It's time, Frank. The first ADP desk of the season. Are you excited?
1: I'm very excited. Using the NFBC ADP in the month of February, Greg Sussman's going to give me a number, and we're going to talk about said player. He's going to give me a number, Frank. It's not going to come from my head. Oh, you're not just going to think of a random number. So how are you going to do this? Greg Sussman's reaching under the table, and he gets the trusty. Let's spin the wheel. Rubber ducky. Let's spin the wheel of ducks. There's a number on each duck. All right, let's go. And away we go. Before I do this. We have no idea what numbers are. Well, you wrote the numbers. We don't know which players they are. Not a clue. Completely random. All
0: right, I'm going to start before I go to the Ducks. I'm going to go with number 248, Kobe Bryant. 24 and 8. My man. Number 248, Kobe Bryant. i represented NFC in the month of February. Who is number 248, Frank? That would be Dansby Swanson. All right. Of the Atlanta Braves. Talk to me. Dansby
1: Swanson, uh... Kind of broke out a little bit last year. I remember he was a popular waiver wire pickup, was Dansby Swanson. Again, a former first-round pick, still just 20, you know what? I was going to say 25 years old. He turns 26 years old tomorrow, actually. Happy birthday, Dansby. So happy birthday to Dansby Swanson. But he did break out a little bit last year. 17 home runs, 10 stolen bases, 251 batting average. I don't think that the offense is ever going to get to the the point that maybe people expected it to. I know he was more so regarded as a complete prospect, someone who is a great defender as well, but he does offer a little bit of a power-speed-ish combination. I don't know that there's a lot of upside with a Dansby Swanson. I love the lineup with the Atlanta Braves, but I think a fair projection... Well, he had 17 home runs in 127 games, so if he could stay healthy, maybe there's a chance we start to see him mature and get to that 20 home run plateau, Greg, with 10 to 12 stolen bases and... No, not a great batting average. I think that's what you can expect, right? He's probably going to give you between a two forty and two
0: fifty batting average. Dansby Swanson did have, as you mentioned, a little bit of a breakout. There was a time in the middle of the season you're like, "Oh my god, it's mm-hmm. happening!" Right? Then it didn't. <laughs> but, you know, he was a ringing endorsement. Very similar. Very similar with the speed last year. Ten steals in each year. Caught four to five times. You know, I think at twenty what six years old now, he's going to be who he is. And I don't know if that's, that's good enough. there's a lot of guys do what Danzy Swanson does. I do like the hard hit percentage of 42.5%. Currently projected to bet eighth for the Atlanta that's Braves. That's another issue for yep. me. So uh, are you in or out of Danzy
1: Swanson? I'm probably going to be out. And just looking at other players in this range to kind of compare the middle infield position, not a lot of middle infielders in this range. Luis Arias is going ahead of him. Don't really like Luis Arias either. Yeah. Uh, but Austin Hayes is in this ring. Come on. just It all comes back to Austin Hayes. Shinsu Chu is going after him as well. Shinsu Chu undervalued every season, Greg. Great, Frank.
0: Uh, tomorrow, you mentioned his Swanson's birthday. That is 211. Let's go to number 211. Oh, number 211. Sure. What do we have here? What do we have
1: over here? That would be, ooh, this is an interesting one. All right. Marcus Stroman. Okay. The New York Mets. So I looked into Marcus Stroman last week. I'm happy you did. Because he changed things up a little bit the final month of the season. I like Marcus Stroman. Yeah. I was talking about... I like him. I was talking about Stroman with Matt Modica on Twitter uh, because I I didn't understand the disparity between Stroman and Keiko. Yeah. Because they don't really seem that dissimilar. Sure. They both get a lot of ground balls, not enough strikeouts, and they walk too many guys. I will say Stroman is younger and the swinging strike rate is like 2% higher. So does that mean that there should be a 60-pick difference between those guys? No. Probably not in my opinion. But then... Matt Modica brought up how Strowman kind of changed his pitch mix a little bit in uh, New York. in September, mm-hmm. and he started getting more swinging strikes, started getting more strikeouts. So maybe there's perceived more upside for Strowman, but I still don't think that there should be that big of a gap between him and Dallas Keiko.
0: I think that's fine. I like Strowman in the National League. He, he did have a semblance of good luck last year. He came home, home, baby. Back to home? New York. I like Strowman. He could get traded again midseason, obviously. Um... Marcus Stroman. I-, I can get Eno Marcus Stroman at 211. Who are the players he's going around? Uh, going right around Marcus Stroman, we have
1: lost it for a second. Sorry, Greg. That's all right. Marcus bro. Stroman at 215, six spots earlier. Draft Joe Musgrove. I'm taking Joe Musgrove over Marcus Stroman. Uh, just behind Marcus Stroman, we have Griffin Canning, who is a popular breakout starting yep. pitcher this year as well. Masahiro Tanaka, Joey Lucchese, Jose Urquidi, Caleb Smith, Dustin May. Those are like the six, seven starting pitchers that are going after Marcus Stroman. Just ahead of him, you have Joe Musgrove. You have a closer in Ian Kennedy. Kennedy! Now, correct. Mike fulton of the Atlanta Braves, someone who we are slightly interested in as well. Uh, and then Andrew Heaney. Greg, can I interest you in Andrew Heaney? He's- sure. He's going about sure. 15 spots ahead of Marcus Stroman, so a whole round.
0: I really wait the round against hey, Stroman. I
1: agree with that. I really wait the round. That's but fair to I, say. I don't dislike any need that. But Stroman, I did want to just bring this up. In the month of September, saw his K per 9 go to the highest it was in any month. 9.25 K per 9. Uh, and his walks per 9 dropped to 2.9. Walks per nine. So, if he can get that command down, lower the walks a little bit, continue to this recent uh, surge of strikeouts that he had once he came over to the New York Mets, they probably figured something out with him a little bit. And there's probably a, a decent amount of upside here
0: for Marcus Stroman being drafted in this spot. All right, there you go. Oh, well, hello. Oh, we're, we're hearing that in our, in our ears. So, so uh, make sure, guys downstairs, we hit the right button for Will. Uh, that's... Uh, where everything's on this side. This is our ears. Is that window will? It's window will. Oh, I love window will. Get him on the show. Why not? I guess that was in our ears. It was probably in our ears, not not over the air. Right, I mean, <laughs> All right, whatever. So we'll go back at the ADP desk. Here we go. Let's go number 138, Frankie. Number 138
1: in the month of February. <laughs> what? We're getting some good ones today. It is our boy, yeah. Max Freed. Max Freed. <laughs> Everyone loves Max Freed. Love,
0: we talked about Max Freed last week. Though.
1: Matt Modica has Max Freed ranked as his uh, SP twenty-four. I knew he was in the top, top, top twenty-five. I knew he was in top thirty. Yeah. And we spoke about you know some of the hype guys this upcoming season. Frankie Montas, I think, is in this mix. I think Zach
0: Gallon is in this. We mix. We did a whole segment on this last week. Yeah.
1: I like Max Freed a lot as well. I probably still would prefer to take Zach Gallon ahead of him, although there was a report over the weekend that Zach Gallon has to earn the fifth starting pitcher job for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, But I like Max Freed a lot, man. And uh, I had Modica on FSC last week, Greg, on Friday, and he said Max Freed kind of reminds him of Shane Bieber from last year. So not saying that that same thing is
0: going to happen. I kind of get it.
1: You can kind of see the parallels there. I kind of get it. I kind of get it. I like. Yeah, Max Fried, I like. I, I like, like Freed Max as a breakout like this Max year Freed. as well. All right, let's go.
0: Uh, let's continue on. We Speaking got- of which,
1: Zach Gallon has moved ahead of Max Freed in ADP. You think I'm the one feeling that, Greg? People must be watching the BFFs. Must be, man. <laughs> uh, up next, number three fourteen. Number three fourteen. We have someone we just spoke about during the break, Greg. Yeah. Travis Shaw now with the Toronto okay. Blue Jays. Yeah. So again, I brought up. Travis Shaw last week to Craig Mish on FSC, and he said, what's the floor with this guy? Like, there's a chance that he's cut from the Blue Jays like midseason. He was dreadful last year with the Milwaukee Brewers, and it's hard to defend that. Uh, He's been really bad against left-handed pitching the past couple years with the Brewers. But I think we also can't forget that he had two seasons in a row where he was 30-plus home runs, Greg. Really good ballpark in Toronto, good division to hit in with other really good ballparks. He's projected to hit fifth. In a lineup with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., with Bo Bichette, with Lourdes Guerrero Jr. We're all excited about those guys. If Travis Shaw is heading in the middle of this lineup, Greg, I think there's some upside, especially at, what, 314?
0: Pretty good spot to get him. It's okay. You know, so for all the reasons we like Travis Shaw over the last couple of years, that's why you're buying back in. Like, figure out something went wrong maybe in his personal life this past year and for whatever reason, like we loved you and I loved Travis Shaw going into did. last season, him and Mike Moustakas, we were in on both of them. I know you're still in on Moose, but the Travis Shaw thing, the value is there. He's in a good lineup. If he can just find that stroke again and play every day, it's fine. He might, might get
1: platooned against left-handed correct. pitching, but again, like going this late, like you're gonna find a wart with every hitter or pitcher that's being drafted. Outside the top 300, right? So there's a reason why they're going this late. And again, he is projected to be a platoon player according to roster resource with who? Former Yankee great Brandon Drury. So we'll see what happens. You have today. a bad year for them. But I, I do like Travis Shaw as a corner infielder in a deeper league, maybe an AL only uh, as your third baseman. I think he's someone that can bounce back, and there's going to be RBI opportunities in the middle of that Blue Jays lineup, Greg.
0: All right. Up next, Frank A, number 165. Number
1: 165 in NFBC ADP in the month of February. So really good he's ball. so excited. I don't know who it is. He's so excited. Just, I like this game. It's actually it's someone on my team in is my James, current is draft championship. It is not. It might be after that injury, right? Uh, it's Edwin Encarnacion with the Chicago White Sox.
0: Very interesting.
1: So, here's the thing with Edwin Encarnacion, and and this will kind of tell you about how I feel about Pete Alonso, too. I'm going to try and intertwine these two guys. Pete Alonso, based on his profile, is going to strike out a lot this year. He's probably going to hit you around 250, I think, similar to what he did last year. He makes great contact when he makes contact, but he still strikes out a lot. And I'm here to tell you that if you want a profile of someone who's going to hit you 250, in 35-plus home runs with 100-plus RBI, why are you taking Pete Alonso in the third round of an NFBC draft when you can get Edwin Encarnacion in the 10th or 11th? I understand. Pete Alonso is way younger. The upside is way higher. And he's coming off a season where he just hit 53 home runs. Albeit, in a season with the juice ball. We don't know what type of ball is going to be used this season in baseball. But one thing we do know for sure is the consistency that we've gotten from Edwin Encarnacion for the past decade plus. So I I think he's another lock for 30 plus home runs. And in that White Sox lineup, Greg, you could argue is one of the best, maybe the best lineup in baseball right now. One of the most exciting. I think that these guys have similar profiles. Give me Edwin Encarnacion in the 10th or 11th versus Pete Alonso in the 3rd.
0: Listen, I totally agree with you because Edwin Encarnacion, when he is healthy, he's the same guy that he has been his entire career. Playing a good white sucks lineup right in the middle of the order. I think you have to like Edwin Encarnacion in that spot. I'm, g- give it, I'm down at that number. Here, give it to me. Um, I have as my starting first baseman, which it might not be ideal. You might
1: like terrible. him more as a corner, it's but not
0: terrible. again... 240 plus well, 30 add, plus home runs. Let me ask this Would you go with Edwin Say, Encarnacion in that spot or the guy we really like five rounds earlier in Reese Hoskins?
1: So that's the thing. They're going to have a similar profile as Correct. well, that's right? I so asked. I kept looking at Reese Hoskins and I asked myself, why don't I just wait a couple of rounds and take Edwin Encarnacion? Sure. I don't think that Edwin Encarnacion is dissimilar from a Reese Hoskins. Greg, let's hit one more before the break. One more.
0: It's 88 final one final one of the NBC day 80 end, end of the show that's correct last one is so how know to I'm many, trying to, three,
1: I'm trying to get to 88 for yeah. some reason it's not uh Jose Berrios of the Minnesota Twins Greg doesn't like that one he's just like I don't want to talk about Jose Berrios uh, I don't want to talk about Jose Barrios.
0: Why not Greg? I not you know, Jose Berrios.
1: You're not a Are Jose Berrios. Yeah, 30 fan. seconds Frank. Uh I I don't mind him. Not I don't know right. I, I think that he kind of just is who he is. When Frank says that He's not Jeff. He's today. not a target. That's for sure. He will not be. He's on not a target, team. but he's not like in a void either. He's whatever. Like, if you need an SP three, right. SP two, and that- are you are taking Jose
0: Barrios or Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff, but oh, they're close in my rankings. They're very close. They're close to the FBC too. Morale, coast to coast is up next. Thanks to Sean and Alex downstairs for Frank Sample. I'm Greg Sussman. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We, we hope. hope-